We are live, baby. Should start the music first. Yeah, well, I had to push the button and then sit down. And I also needed to pick a song. So, like, you know what I mean? You still didn't pick a song? I picked one, but I didn't search for it yet. So I got this Apple Music going on. So, like, you know. What do you pay for that? That's $10 a month. Alexa is great, dude. You paid, like, five bucks. For the, for the stand-up Alexa, right? No, for the dot. Yeah, oh, that's it, the dot. That's, that's what I meant. Like, the thing that hears you. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is not the song that I thought it was. Obviously not. No. It sounds like it's from Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, this is not, this is not the song that I thought it was at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to let it run. Let it run. I'm gonna it let is. it run because this, this is not the song that I thought it was. I'm really interested to hear what song you actually thought it was. Well, I'm gonna have to try and find that song. It's like Paul Abdul. It's kind of has that feel to it, right? Yeah. Little Miami. Uh, yeah. Miami Sound Machine. Right. Is that what is it? That's what that's the band she was in, right? Uh, yeah. I think I found the song that I want. I, I think I found the one that I want, but let's let this run a little bit. This song's terrible. Complete Abdul Abdul ripoff. Let's see. Uh, let's see if this is the one that I wanted. No, I, I dude, I can't find the song right, that I well, want. What's it called? Uh, it, it, you know what? I don't know. It was like a dance song remix that I heard today. This is why you. This is why you start with. <laughs> Listen, first. it was a busy day, so I'm just gonna go back to what I was just listening to, because that gets everybody pumped up. Sheesh. I mean, hit him with a sheesh. This song gets everybody pumped up. We've done the Top Gun show. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You look like you're about to blast off in your new chair. Dude, this chair is you're, amazing. Your ejector seat. Yes. This chair is amazing. It matches the color scheme. I'm going to get it customized yeah, like look, I do everything else. You look like you're about to fly a military jet. <laughs> I am, baby. I came in and he was sitting there playing video games. That's right. We're going to talk about that, too. But without further ado, what is up? Everybody. Friday night lights. Friday night lights, baby. February 15th from the Hill is back. No, we had a little bit of a hiatus, but that's where we're going to start. Nicholas, the prophet, welcomed into the world his son. I won't steal the thunder. I'll let him tell you all about it. Tell us all about it. I welcomed in a new son, Michael. We're calling him Mickey. The Mick. He was brought into the world 12 minutes after midnight. Um, into February, so February 1st. We thought he was going to be a January baby. He made it into Feb. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been quite a ride. So my eyes are like popping out of my head a little bit. So so don't worry about that. You'll notice the coffee <laughs> and the alcohol. And the alcohol. So let me ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, right, 1 being you're now getting cast in The Walking Dead, and yes. 10 being there, well, nothing has changed at all. How's your sleep schedule? Well, well, um, so at the beginning, actually before he was born, it started getting bad because 
Like the timing of it, you don't know the timing of everything. You don't know when things are going to get put into motion. True. So you're kind of like up all day. And then my wife went into labor at like, I don't know, it was like 11 o'clock at night. So like you kind of go through the night and then he didn't come until the next day. He waited all day that Thursday, came in on a Friday, 12 minutes after midnight. So you're just like up constantly, up constantly. And then he's born and they basically like 10 minutes after he's born, they bring you to this other room. You're like, okay. This is your kid. Here's your room. We're going to take him away. Yeah. We'll see you guys in the morning. And you're like, what do we do with this thing? You have no idea. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So number one, you try to go to sleep. So what you, what you try to do is you put him in the bassinet, but you can't sleep. You don't know. Like you're constantly looking at him, making sure everything's okay. He was just, he just came out like right. a minute ago. He's just sitting there behind the window for you, right? Like he's just, he's just chilling in the back. Like there's so many things that they don't tell you. Um, leading up to it and you kind of just have to find out on the fly the first thing that they don't tell you that and i can't i can't exaggerate this enough okay so if there's anybody out there that's about to have their first child and they're not aware they talk about the cone head right <laughs> so they talk I've heard about this they talk about the cone head so when you're when you're born when everybody's born your head kind of has four different plates or however many plates and to allow you to get out, your head kind of smashes in a little bit and you come out with a cone head. This, they, they, they told me that, right? But they didn't exaggerate how conish it would be. <laughs> so when he came out, I, I looked at him and I'm like, is this, I'm looking at the dot. I'm like, is this normal? Is this a normal thing? And like, totally fine. He looks great. And thank God everything's back in place. But they don't tell you that. So it's a shock to you when well, you're in the moment. So let's back, I want to back up a half a step because for those of you who don't know, Nicholas and Amanda didn't know the, the gender of the baby. So at what point when he comes out, do they go, uh, boy, like, like, well, oh, oh, listen to this. So I pulled him out. You pulled him out. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's intense. So, so the, the, the lady that delivered, she was amazing. She was an amazing person. She, so, but while he was like almost out, she goes, okay, dad, pull him out. Tell mom what you got. And I did. So you, you got to discover. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Nice. Was crazy experience. That's, that's all awesome. sharing. I'm sharing everything. This is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So how, how, uh, how's he sleeping now at home? Like how has he been? Uh, he started off on a little bit of a mixed schedule. So he started off like sleeping all day up all night. So he was pretty much on the one thirty to like 5am shift. And Amanda and I have been done a good job kind of tag teaming it and like switching off. I'll let her sleep one night. She lets me sleep one night, depending on what I have going on at work the next day. And it's been good. It's been good, man. I mean, everybody finds their way. And from what I heard, from what I heard from everybody, you get a lot of advice throughout this whole thing. And people have said, you know, it lasts a couple months until you can get them on a schedule. The pooping schedule, man. I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's a thing. That Dude, is a thing. I mean, like every ten minutes. <laughs> Every 10 minutes, this kid, I got to get with a new diaper. Yeah. Because I don't want him sitting there. Yeah. I don't like him sitting there. Well, that's when they start you to know, cry, right? You know why I don't like him sitting No, not even. Not no. even. But I, you, you hear, you're holding him and you feel, you, you know pooping. what's going on. Yeah. So, like, the, me, <laughs> me, I'm thinking to myself, like, how would I feel like sitting in right, just dirty diaper? So, yeah, I'll just keep changing him. I change him, like, every 30 seconds. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Amanda's like, just let him sit there for a little bit. I'm like, I don't like that. <laughs> So. Well, God bless you both. Uh, can we get some some congrats in the chat for Nikki and Mickey and Amanda welcoming into the world their first son? Yeah, pretty cool. That's awesome. So 
last thing I wanted to talk about off of sports, because I know there's been a ton of stuff floating around for us on social media that we've been talking about. So I'm going to let you go first, and then I want to throw it out. And people love when we do this. What are you watching on Netflix? Oh, What are you watching? Because people love when we talk about oh. Netflix shows. What are you watching? Dude, last night, we had heard some things about this, this program. And it's an hour and a half long. It's not, it's not like a series. It's nothing like that. It's one fell swoop, hour and a half. Okay. And this is called Abducted in Plain Sight. I've seen it. I haven't seen the show, Dude, but I've seen it on there. There were so many WTF moments in that thing. So many moments where you, you're, you put yourself in the position of these parents. And you're like, are you, what, are, what was going on in your life that you made decisions to allow certain things to happen? I don't want like, to spoil it for right, people. Right, right, right. But some of the things you... You just your your jaw drops, and you can't believe the decisions that these parents were making. So, did, so let me ask to you. allow for this predator into their home. So, do they do like? Do they have any interviews with the parents? What do they do? Reenactments? Like, how is oh, the okay. spell out the show for me? because so, I don't know how they present it. I, they present it in a series of interviews. They kind of introduce you to the. I guess what's the what's the villain? What do they call that? The protagonist? The antagonist. The antagonist. Yeah. So they introduce you to this, to this guy through a series of interviews. They kind of tell you um, how he got introduced to the family. I should, how deep should I go into this? You want me to tell people what happens? Uh, well, sorry. So here, no, I don't, I don't want you to go through like the whole storylines. But so is it like an unsolved mysteries type of deal where they narrate no. you a story and then they'll no. do like a reenactment? Or how no, this is all – this is all told through interviews. And do they have the people do they involved. have like the parents interview? They have the parents interviewed. Wow. The parents are all there. The the victim is alive and well. Oh wow. And she's there explaining everything, how it happened, um, different steps and you know, like how this predator made his way into their life. They have some some tape because the FBI is involved this entire time. Sure. This is a multi this happened multiple times, this this uh, this incident. And so they, they kind of take you through that way. They have some old uh, video, old photographs that they, and that's always a creepy thing. Yeah, it is. When they take you back and they, they get the music going and they take you to, to the old time photographs, um, you know, like with kind of discolored and oh, stuff like sure. that, black and white sometimes, that can creep you out a little bit. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a scary show, but it was just a, it was a jaw dropper where as now a parent, you look at it and you're like, how did how did you even let it get to that point? Well, I feel like Netflix is so good at the gut punch shows, right? Because I, I feel like Making a Murder and a lot of these shows are those gut punch shows where you're just like, wow, that the reality behind the stories hit you. And they do such a good job narrating it with the music and right. the old photos and everything. So another one along those lines that I've been watching is the Ted Bundy tapes. I started. Yeah. I <laughs> dude i, I mean didn't get into it um, i got into it it was kind of boring kind of slow to me um i didn't find it that boring i found it really interesting so for me what i thought was super interesting was everybody knows the name ted bundy right but you remember that this stuff happened when we were not even born yet right like he committed most of his murders in the late 70s so right. so we didn't catch the news when we were you know little about ted bundy but the interviews are just chilling, and his story is ridiculous. And I'm not going to give any of it away because everybody wants to watch it. But just I, I him was, escaping authorities and and the whole story around him is crazy. Well, and that's probably why I didn't get to that part yet. I I was on episode one, and it just kind of seemed to drag along for me. I mean, I get the idea of of him being this kind of normal, good looking, 
kind of blend into. I mean, he was a politician, right? So uh, I mean, yeah. He, well, he was in a, he was trying to be an attorney. So he was going to school to be an attorney. He had worked. Not giving his story away. Um, he was going. He was in law school, as Nick said. You know, good-looking guy, smart guy, spoke very well. So he he's in law school, and he actually got his start. And one of the reasons he was so good at eluding the authorities is because his first career was working with a politician, and they worked alongside right, right. the like the the police and the authorities. So he learned a lot of their processes and why he was able to get away uh, multiple times in multiple states from the authorities. Yeah, and I guess I didn't get to that point because. In the initial episode, I guess they kind of set set all that yeah, up. Yeah, they're setting they, the stage. They go through a couple different incidents, murders, and yep. stuff like that. But you don't get into too much detail. It's more like an introduction to him and some of the the women that disappeared and unfortunately were murdered. But, yes, yes. So um, that was really creepy. And again, Netflix. There, this does... is gonna be this is gonna be the next superhero. Fa- like this is all all coming out on Netflix now. This it's it, yeah. instead of superheroes. Like we always talk about, it's it, going to be like murder. That's right. Well, look, I mean, he, it's so popular and people are so drawn to it. This. It sucks me in instantly. And again, it's due to the success of the shows that we're talking about, making a murderer and the confession tapes. Exactly. And, because they're so successful. Right. I mean, and dude, if you really think about it, right, like the success of those shows, the fact that they even have this, these interviews, right? The fact that this guy, like th- these interviewers got all this real life interview tape footage with Ted Bundy is yes. just ridiculous. So yes. it's almost like we got to hear it, right? It's yep. got to be released. The other um, thing I'm watching that's not on Netflix, but you, actually, you know what? I want to tell you something that's going to make you happy about Netflix. So you know Disney is doing their own streaming service now. Have you heard that? Yes. I was trying. I'm, I was thinking about investing because I think that's going to be big. Yeah. So what's happening is all the Marvel shows on Netflix, they're getting kaput because that's Disney and the rights. So they're all getting kaput. So well, there's going to be a huge shift in what we're seeing Netflix put out because – I mean, a lot of their major lineup right now is like The Punisher and Daredevil. All those Marvel shows are done because right. Netflix is losing those rights. Right, and you know what? I actually think that's okay. So you look at you look at that and you say, okay, that's going to kill Netflix. That's going to hurt. Netflix, though, recently has been putting out so much original content, and they're doing more and more movies. I just heard an interview with Mark Wahlberg. He's doing a movie. I heard an interview with Ryan Reynolds. He's doing a Netflix movie. So it's all this original content, and we've talked about the shift to this where you can have that entertainment in your own home. You don't have to leave your house to go see new content anymore. So I actually think with Netflix being out on the forefront of this, that they're going to they're gonna do just fine. Well, I, I initially thought that that was going to kill them. No, well, to your point, actually, I think it's going to make them better because sometimes, and I know a lot of people like the Marvel shows. I haven't watched any of the shows itself that they do. That can be an easy thing to just fall back on, right? Because the story's already there. It'll instantly draw people in. I think, again, this is going to push them to create better content, to push out better content because they're going to be losing those sort of staples that they have. Right. You know what I've been watching and haven't had a chance to talk about, I don't believe, since we got back, is uh, the third season of True Detective. Oh, uh, yeah. We were, we were, so we were trying to start that last night, and we went on to on-demand HBO. They have every episode that's been on except for episode one. So we're like, we can't oh, that's start. Weird. No, you okay. got Yeah, you got to watch the first. We can't start it. Yeah. So I was I, kind it, of. It's back. Man, I was mad about that. It's back. It's really, really good. I got into a thing with Spike Eskin on that. So Spike Eskin says, "How can a show be back when a, a separate season has nothing to do to, for, with the first season? It's different writers. It's different everything." So I got I was your back. Going back and forth with it. I got your back. I can tell you why. I actually had this argument too. I didn't have it with a famous radio personality, but. Very famous. <laughs> so here, here's why. So I was actually having it with Tom. I think he was on the feed. So here's what happened. If you look at the first season, the way that this, they, they laid out the story, it centered around one main 
protagonist and his partner, who was your secondary character, Woody. and and right, and they did three different time frames of the characters, and they interweaved the story between three different points in time. So like 1975, 1990, right, and and they kept going back and forth between to add to the intrigue of the story. Okay. The second season totally went away from that. They added four main characters. It was almost all in the present. They did a couple flashbacks, but they, they were telling the story real time. Worst show in American television. Right. So it didn't have that true detective feel because you weren't you didn't you weren't like worried wondering like, oh, what's really going on here? Like you weren't trying to figure out what the mystery was and connect the timelines and the puzzles. This season they did the same thing. It's one protagonist and then one secondary character. And that's uh, Steven Dorf, who's doing a really good job, by the way. I didn't realize he was like a, a real actor. I mean, after like, I don't know Blade, who, I don't know who that is. He's a bad guy in Blade. <laughs> I didn't see Blade. Okay, so he's doing a really good job as the the secondary antagonist, as the Woody role, and and they have three different timelines: 1980, 1990, and then 2015 when they're both 70, and they keep going in between the timelines, and that's how a season is back. So that's what you can tell Spike asking because they they got back to the core of how you narrate the story of yeah. But I guess his point was that it it does not tie one character to the other. There are there is nobody in the the, the cast that's the same. There are the, the writers are not the same. The directors are not the same. But it's, what's the same is the way they tell the story. Okay, that's and what that, it is. Well, and and you know I I went back and forth. I was on your side where you know obviously some things are similar. Otherwise, why would they call it True Detective? They're telling different stories. And other shows have done this in the past. I can't think of any off the top of my head that kind of have that format where one season doesn't necessarily tie to the other. I, I did bring up like American Horror Story where that not one story ties to the other, but it is kind of the told same. in the same manner. It, it's the same cast. That's a good comparison. You know, there's, a lot, there's a lot of the same people, but that, that necessarily that doesn't mean a lot to me if no. you have the same person right, playing different a different character. role. No, it's, and again, you're right. It is the way that they present the story to you, and that's why I like where True Detective has gotten back to that multi-perspective like literally the main character will be in a scene wayne hayes will be in a scene in 1980 and then he'll be standing and looking in a mirror and he'll flash to 70 year old wayne hayes and it, so it jumps timelines to tell the story and that's exactly what season one did so effectively gotcha. they, they missed that in season two i did watch the innocent man as well oh yeah that's that that's really good we talked about that we did talk about that and you know what it started off and it pulled me in and by the end i was a little bit um I don't want to say disappointed, but I was a little bit disappointed. They stretched it out. They stretched it out too much. I mean, yeah. They should I, have only. They should have had three episodes instead of four. I, I think the they last did. episode isn't any good. I agree with you. I mean, there's a story there, definitely about the guys that got out. The second, the, the problem is the secondary story isn't as compelling. And here's the other problem: we, it's that Stephen Avery factor where that guy is still trying to get out. That's of That's right. We don't we don't know what's happening with him because it's sort of like present day. Well, here's the thing: what that does, the fact that they left it open ended and we don't know what's going to happen Season to him two. is the, exactly. <laughs> and that's original content. That's, that's Netflix. Right. So that's they, they do, do a good job. They're smart with it, and I think they will uh, continue to. To do well, especially if they have these big stars, Sandra Bullock, Mark Wahlberg, Ryan Reynolds, they're all making original content movies for Netflix. I mean, Netflix's rates going up too, by the way. I just got my notification. Well, nobody pays for Netflix anyway. So. I know. I actually had to subscribe. I lost my buddy's password. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's talk some sports. It's been a couple weeks. I wanted to touch on football really quick because there's a couple different things. Obviously, we're always talking football. A couple different things I want to talk about. We won't spend a ton of time on the NFL. But I did just want to ask you a question. Post Super Bowl, have you noticed like just an increase in the Patriot vitriol? Like everybody and the the entire country versus Boston and the Patriots. Have you noticed that? Because I have. 
Not really. I think it's exacerbated a little bit by the fact that 99 days before the Super Bowl, they won a World Series. Um, before that, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, it's just it, they're, they're just overloaded with good sports teams, and I don't know how they've gone through a run like this over the last – I mean, geez, going back to 2001 with, with Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, then you have, you know, he keeps racking them up, 2004, so whatever it was, 2007. Like or or and, you know, the, the Celtics won 2008. Uh, the, the Bruins have won multiple times. I mean, they, I don't know how they get that lucky. They get, a, they get cocky and they get a swagger to them, which, you know, we would, we would too. Oh, so sure. I don't necessarily blame them. But I don't begrudge the city. I, I don't swagger. feel that it's different than it was three years ago. I mean, I think people have been fed up with the Boston area around here for a long time now. Sure. I, I don't feel it's, it's any, any more. Uh, I think I've noticed a lot of Patriot fatigue in that, like, I saw it last year, but obviously the Eagles beat the Patriots. So we were, you know, that was like the biggest thing because you beat the Titan that was the Patriots. Then they come back and they win this year. And I just think I actually compared it to the NBA and the MVP voting, whereas you don't see a lot of like three or four time MVP winners, even if they might deserve it, because it, you get fatigued on that guy and you start looking at other people like, oh, well, there's that guy. We, we give it to that guy. Mm-hmm. And it, I think the Pats sort of have that same thing. Because they've just been good for so long that we just keep going, when are they not going to be good? Like, well, can they not be good? Let's just stop. Like, let's, the, they shouldn't be good anymore. It's too long. Uh, the difference with that is the MVP vote. I mean, it's a subjective, uh, it's a subjective award. I mean, these, these guys are winning it. They're, they're winning it. They're going out on the field, and they're, they're doing it. There's no doubt about it. They're, it's a definitive, you know, finite result. Whereas MVP, you're like, oh, should we give it to Giannis? Should we give it to Harden? Should we give it to LeBron? Like, who should we give? And you make that decision. This isn't a decision. They make this decision sure. by winning the game. Sure. So you got to tip your hat a little bit. Do we like doing it w- with a city like Boston? No. I mean, Boston's <laughs> up there. They're, well, you know what? You know what makes it extra worse is Barstool and the Prez because yeah, sure. Boston based. So like that that exacerbates it because up here in the Northeast, we're you know we love Barstool and so we we consume their content. And, sure, they're, and I mean, they're, he's extra obnoxious and they're extra obnoxious because it's Boston based. But hey, to your point, we would be doing the same thing, right? Like absolutely, any city would. There's a lot of media from Boston. I listen to Bill Simmons all the time. He drives me nuts. I listen. I listen to him every day, and he drives me nuts. Like I, I think I listen to it because I hate listening to him. Well, you know, I mean, dude, the, all of ESPN, half of them are Boston and New England Patriot fans because well, yeah, it's up in Bristol. Exactly. Yeah, so I mean, they're up Which there. Is fine, I, I get it, but I'm allowed to hate it too. Uh, you know, the other night when we lost to the Celtics again, that that makes my blood boil more so yeah. than more so than any other game. Like we could lose to we could lose to the Lakers or we could lose pick a team. I mean, I don't care. It, it's not going to make me angry. My I had like lactic acid building up in my <laughs> legs because I was so pissed off about the Celtics loss the other night. Yeah, I know. I swear to God, I, I was really upset. We can't beat the Celtics. We're gonna get. We're actually gonna get there. You're jumping ahead. Sorry. So let me ask you, on the topic of football. So the, people were talking about the Rams and the Vegas odds came out for next year. Do you think the Rams can make it back again? Do you think, you know, it's a young team? There's always this narrative, young quarterback, young team. Yeah. Do you think they can make it back next year? Yeah, why not? Well, I'm here to tell you that history says they can't. And it's a weird phenomenon with young teams and first-time quarterbacks getting to the Super Bowl and losing and not getting back. And if you go back through the last 20 years, there's a run of guys getting there once and they can't win it, and then they can never get back again. Who's that? What? Give me some. Well, so you got if you go down the list, you got Kaepernick, you got Matt Ryan, 
you got, you'd have to go back. Like I didn't write them all down, but there's a, a run of, I think seven guys who we all thought they'd get back because they lost their first attempt and then they didn't. So if you don't win that first attempt, like Russell Wilson, you won the first one, lost the second one. Ben Roethlisberger, right? Won the first. If you don't win that first one, that chance that you're going to get back, even though that team, like, you know, oh, the team's really good and they're young and all that doesn't seem to pan out. So history would be against the Rams and that team getting back there. I'd be interested to see who else you have on that list. I mean, I think the NFL is is set up well that way and that there is enough parity where, you know, guys cherish getting to the Super Bowl. It's not – you can't take it for granted. I mean, the Patriots are obviously an outlier to that and they're the exception to the rule. But, you know, that, that you hear that throughout the year is, is it's hard to make to a Super Bowl. Now, that sounds like such a basic thing to say, but – that's why they say it because you don't get there all the time. It's not a common occurrence. You may never be back there. And that's because every year there's a, there's, we know more so than any other sport, there's such a small window for you to compete and to compete at a high level. And, you know, in basketball, you might, you may have 10 years to get back there in football. You might have two. That's absolutely right. So I think that's more the reason now, as far as the talent of the quarter, the, like the, the, the skill level okay, of the so quarterbacks that are getting there. Let like me I, give you, I got the list here. You ready? Yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm going to start because I said about, uh, let's say I said 10 years ago. So let's go back and see. So we'll go, let's go back to 2010. We'll do like 18 years. So McNair lost, never got back. Kerry Collins was, was aging in his career at that point. Um, Rich Gannon was aging in his career at that point. Lost, never got back. Jake Delhomme lost, never got back. Uh, Donovan McNabb lost, never got back. Matt Hasselback lost, never got back. Rex so Grossman lost, never got back. Uh, <laughs> um, the quarterbacks Hayden you're naming are not his first. Uh, there's Big Ben's loss to Rogers, but Big Ben won his first, so that's against the point. Um, Kaepernick lost, never got back. Well, Joe never got back either. He won. Joe, well, Joe won. So. Uh, Cam Newton lost, never got back. Matt Ryan lost, hasn't been back. So the, the, it's against you if you don't win your first. It, it, the odds are against you if you don't win your first. Are the odds more for you if you do? Yeah, at least to get back. That's the thing. If you win your first, you'll get back again. Well, and I guess that speaks more to the, you know, if you're a better player, if you're a better quarterback, it might be a little bit easier for you to get back. I mean, the odds should be a little bit higher if you're capable of winning the Super Bowl. Listen, Your odds of getting back should be I'm higher. just here to give you the statistics, Nick. All right. I'm just here I'm just here, I, I just, I'm just here to lay out yeah, the statistics. I just don't necessarily get your I just don't necessarily get your your argument or point. I mean if you're if you're yeah, you can get there in a weak division. You mentioned Matt Hasselbeck and Rex Grossman and uh, Jake Delome. I mean, how good was that was that conference at the time that those guys are getting there and then we can't we can't talk about jake alone because that was that panthers team to beat the eagles well you know they had a good team their defense was was a really good defense that year i mean yeah i, I remember that i remember that year but you know you're talking about these guys like they're they're they're, all, they're borderline hall of fame guys and they're just not they're not i mean they're not good players well, speaking of speaking of big joe we think about big joe flacco going to the broncos what do you think about that move you know i uh, I guess I guess Big John Elway's given up on his boy Case Keesum already. Huh? I can't I can't like the move because Elway has not done a good job in selecting quarterbacks over the last however many years since Peyton left. Um, even when he did add Peyton, that was kind of a head scratcher at the beginning. But you know he pulled it together enough to obviously yeah. win that Super Bowl. Um, 
But, you know, do I think – I think Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Case Keenum. I, and, and I know that the mold that Elway wants is the big – he likes to bring in the big, tall quarterbacks with the cannons. I mean, that's kind of what he was, right? Well, yeah. He and was a lot more athletic. Joe, Joe Flacco – I mean, Joe Flacco does have the arm talent. Sure. Um, you know, I think his career is – over, but so I don't. It's ag- a better option than Case Keenum. Okay, so we agree on that. I think I, I know I you. Know. You love Case Keenum, though, dude. That was your boy two years ago. No, I do. I do. I did like him. Okay, <laughs> I. But I understand his limitations. Yes. Right. I mean, I think he's he's a better passer, and he's inside a more, of twenty yards. He's no, a he's a more passer. accomplished passer than people gave him credit for. Now, did I think he was going to go win multiple Super Bowls ever? No, no. I mean, no, I didn't. And he missed that that one opportunity was with the Vikings. Yes, yes, that team. So, interestingly enough, with Kirk Cousins, they finished lower this year, which is interesting. But, uh, you know, we're digressing. I, I agree with most of your points. I don't necessarily think Flacco's career is done. Sometimes with aging quarterbacks, a move does them good. You, you've seen it many, many times. You talk about Kurt Warner. You talk like sometimes, and I'm not, I don't want to compare Flacco to Warner, but I'm just saying sometimes with aging quarterbacks that aren't, over the hill where their their physical tools are gone yet, his physical tools are still there. He still has – he can still throw the ball 70 yards downfield. He's still that same big, strong, statuesque guy that he was when he came in the league. He's not that old. I think he's 32, 33. So he's clearly not physically done yet. He just got to a point in Baltimore where it got stagnant. Their offense wasn't doing anything. You know, and with quarterbacks, sometimes a change of pace can do you good. I certainly think that Flacco is a better quarterback than Keenum. I don't know if that, again, makes them contenders, but I think it's an upgrade. And everybody roasting John for it, we pro- let's, again, I know we're trying not to give John the benefit of the doubt because his last couple moves haven't been good, but let's see what happens. Maybe the change of scenery for Joe's good. You never know. I think so. I, I think the, the, the change of scenery thing, I think that is definitely good for him. I think after what just happened in Baltimore, I mean, I don't see, I wouldn't see him going back there. <laughs> Chris chimes in. He, I knew he was going to do this too. So Chris is our resident team jumping fan because he loved Peyton Manning. <laughs> so he was a Colts fan. Then he became a Broncos fan when Big John brought Peyton in. But Chris, let's be honest, Peyton was terrible when they won that Super Bowl, dude. I mean, he was awful. He could barely get the ball downfield. That was their defense. Remember, Von Miller won the MVP. And I know you remember that because you had that bet on Von Miller. And to win MVP. And I don't know where their defense will be next year. I mean, where's their, they still have a, a strong defense, but I, it's not going to be able to carry them, I think, like that year. No, and they're sort of in a tough division with the Chiefs and Chargers, right? Like, that's a strong division now all of a sudden. Yes. So, yes. we'll see. You know, listen, Big Joe, we'll see what Big Joe does. I, 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 Joe needed a change out of Baltimore. They're clearly going with Jackson. So, you know, we'll see what happens. You never know. Yeah, I'm I'm sick of the NFL. Last thing on NFL. I'm sick of it. Or football. Did you catch any AAF I'd, football? Uh, only the Twitter highlights and that one humongous hit. Did, I watched like the first quarter. I'm out. You, you going to watch any? I mean, I think I think there's something there because they're going to let these the rules go. It's not as it's not going to be as strict as the NFL, but I don't know how sustainable it is with I, for lack of a better term, minor league talent to 
put that product on the field and continue. I mean, it's it's going to be like the XFL. There's more of these leagues coming, by the I, way. I, know. I mean, the XFL is coming Next back. Next year. I so, know. 2020. Like, we're going to have know. we're going to have four or five different leagues and I think each league is going to get more and more uh, lenient on the rules where you can like all, kill somebody yeah, and just break somebody's leg. I, I dude, I got to tell you. And that's the draw. I got to tell you. I've said this many, many times and I will always say it. This country, we will consume NFL football and college football 365, 24-7. You can put any of it on. That's the combine. That's trade talks. That's everything. We will consume NFL all year. But that doesn't apply to just any old football, obviously, because the Arena League has a cult following and it's cool, but it doesn't get the ratings the NFL does. These other leagues will never be what the NFL is. Well, and that's a niche thing, though, because they are playing on a different field. They're playing on a different surface. It's almost a completely different game. This is different where... This is almost the same game with lean, more lenient rules. Yeah, they're just playing with. They're playing football. And you know what? I actually think it's a good thing because there is some competition to the NFL. Obviously, the seasons are different, and I think that was kind of part of the feeling out process. Okay, we don't want to go head to head against the NFL, but let's see what this thing is. Sure. So I was kind of, I was kind of uh, happy to see the the positive reactions on Twitter because I do think the NFL needs a little push sometimes. Not that it needs a push in the ratings or anything like that, but in its progressive thinking and the way that they decide things. It's not just more of a dictatorship and a monopoly. So this is perfect, actually. Philip just chimed in. He hate me. Remember XFL with the nicknames? By the way, I mean, he, he ended up being in the league. What was that guy's name? He ended up making it to the league. He was on the Eagles for a little bit. He, he came back with the Panthers. I knew it. And then when they did the 33 year, the whole yeah. thing was about that guy. He was a pretty good player. He was the he was the XFL. Yeah, he was he the, was he the was guy. the greatest player in the XFL history. So speaking of that, speaking of being progressive, something came out this week, and I, I know we wanted to move off of football, but I got to bring it up that there was a rumor that someone that the NFL, some of the NFL office had reached out to Adam Silver and asked if he would run the NFL. I did hear that. What do you what, just give me your reactions on that statement overall? Well, I think my my first reaction is that he's much more a player friendly uh, commissioner, and I think that part the part of that being progressive, I think that he has done a good job with that and letting the players express themselves. Uh, it, it's obviously going to be a lot more difficult because you're not you're not um, the commissioner of teams that have fifteen guys on a team. You're now a commissioner of a much more diverse group um, with hundreds of personnel within the, the organization itself. And it, it, I don't know. I see where they're going with it because he's, he's – do, do, The question it's I the have social, is – It's the social aspect all right, so and the uh, – Let me rephrase. Do you really think the NFL wants Adam Silver to run it? The owners – that's right. Do you really think they want Adam Silver to own it? I think it? I think there's some that want to get more progressive. I will tell you the answer to that is flat out no. The the majority of owners do not want Adam Silver running. Well, league. do you think that the owners are in fear of losing money on the NFL? The owners are in fear of losing control over the product as they have it now. The NFL, their their entire pitch is the helmet, not the player, right? And you get some stars. You get your standouts at positions, Odell, Antonio Brown, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, mainly your quarterbacks, and then a couple other positions. But the NFL preaches the helmet. The NBA is the total opposite. The NBA is the player, right? I mean, the player is the star. 
Now, most of that just has to do with the nature of the game, right? And they don't wear helmets in the NBA, by the way, so, like, you can see their face. The shield. You're not allowed to take your helmet off on the field in the NFL. It's a penalty. The, the NFL doesn't want to get more progressive. And I don't want to digress into race or anything like that. that that's not where I'm going. and Because Nick and I can't really do that because we're two white guys. But I would tell you that they don't want to get more progressive. They like the league the way it is. They like non-guaranteed contracts. They like the NFL. They like the shield. They like to protect the helmet. They don't want Adam Silver coming in and being pro player and pro promote yourself because that's not how the NFL works. And right or wrong, those owners do not want that. Those owners want all that money in their pocket and they want all that control straight away. Well, maybe if if this these other leagues take off a little bit more, and I don't know what the money situation is there. Obviously, it's not going to be as strong as the NFL. But if there is that competition, I mean, there's another option for guys like Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, guys that want a more player-friendly league. And I, again, I don't know what that AAF is going to progress to. Is it probably going to fizzle out? Yeah, but I also know that there's smart people behind it. Bill Polian is the 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 creator, the owner of this. Of this oh thing. yeah, they a, got they got a lot of smart you, guys. You know, there. let's he's been he's been around this for a long time. He's seen the the inner workings of the NFL with the owners, with the players, how they interact, and what the commissioner's role is. So, I mean, I think that again, the the competition to the NFL is a good thing. The ideas that may come from this competition is going to help the NFL in the long run. If it takes a few dollars out of the owner's pockets, I mean, are they, are they going to be hungry? I, no, but I, I do get your point in that they do, they do want that control, and they've had it for a really long time now. And it's been super successful that way, and that's the way they want to keep it. Sure. All right, so let's go, since we're right on that track, let's go into the NBA. Um, before we get to the All-Star festivities, which I know we both want to talk about, Let's talk about the trades that have led up to here and the trades that didn't, right? There's a lot that happened. So I, I, I put up a couple that stuck out to me. Um, the first was the Knicks trade the unicorn to the Mavericks. And this just screams to me that they are dying to get two max free agents in the offseason, right? Because why would you trade your best player and a young star? Chris Stapps is still a stud. I mean... By the way, I love what the Mavs are doing with Luka and Chris Stapps. Like, they're going to be a team. But the Knicks just scream dysfunction to me. And, and they're taking a big swing here. If they can't land KD, they can't land AD, they can't land Kyrie, well, they can't land Kawhi. If they can't land two of them, they're going to be right back where they've been the entire time, which is not in the toilet, but not, like, not good enough to guarantee yourself a top three in the lottery, but just good enough to be in the like, 6-10 range and just be bad forever. Sorry, that was a lot. No, it's not a lot. I mean, it, it wasn't a lot because you're exactly right. But this screams to me, this screams to me, th this entire trade deadline has been tampering. Everything is tampering, it seems like. Because you, you can't take a risk like that if you're the Knicks without absolutely knowing that, number one, and, and here's what's going to happen. I, this is going to happen. Kyrie's already upset, right? Durant has been upset for the last two, three months now. So we know that this, this is going to happen. It's going to be... It's going to be uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving going to the next. They're, they're, they have to sign two max players now because you can't trade a guy like Przingis without absolutely knowing 100%. And they didn't get that much from him. Dennis Smith Jr. is a nice player. He's a nice player, but they, they didn't get enough back. They, they, made, they made this deal specifically and only 
to clear space to get two max guys. But there, it screams, it screams tampering. And but they, but that's my thing. But they don't know they're going to get them. They don't. That's how do you know that? Oh, dude, I mean, the Clippers they're... are doing the same thing. So to so the Clippers, right? The Clippers trade away their best player to the 76ers, Tobias Harris, and now they've cleared out that roster and cleared out their salary, and they're doing the same thing because they are Kawhi's primary landing spot, from what I hear. But that's the thing. And so like, they're trying to bank on him these coming are, there. These things are already like worked out, I feel like. I, I disagree. These are pre-worked out. I mean, it's already a done deal. Ky- like These things are leaking into the press. Like Kyrie's upset. I'm so sick of Kyrie Irving. All right, let, all right let, let's talk about the leaking, by the way. So, before, all right, just split real quick. An underrated trade was the uh, Raptors getting Marcus Gasol, by the way. Be- was it? Yeah, because he's going to contribute there, especially in the playoffs. I mean, they're already really good for the regular season. He's still, he's still, he's still right here at big men, and he's still a problem. I know he's a good player. What they gave up? Uh, who did they give up for him? Uh, nothing of note. No, no. They had to. No, I have to look that up. I, I, I know, I know. Marcus Saul so, is a good player. I'm a little bit surprised that Conley didn't go anywhere. I know his his money situation. Is- I know he's got a big contract, but we both love Conley. So, so let's talk about tampering at the highest order, right? And that would be Anthony Davis. And this this whole saga is not going anywhere. But before we talk about what's going on, I want to explain this because I'll be honest. I had a couple people in the last two weeks ask me. Why, why haven't the Pelicans traded Anthony Davis? Like, they're going to lose him. I'm like, wait a minute. Hang on a second. You guys, let me explain to you what's going on. Chance. Right. So, off the bat, Anthony Davis is not a free agent until the end of the 2020-2021 season, yeah. which is after next year. So, he won't be a free agent until June of 2021. Let, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that. I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence. I just literally, a lot of people didn't know that because when a guy demands a trade, right, you think that, well, his contract's up this year, and that's not the case. So let's put that out there. Second, what happened is his agent puts out into the media that Anthony Davis is not going to re-sign with the Pelicans. He took a fine for that, whatever. This is the part that the NBA, this is where Adam Silver needs to try and step in. This is the part where it's almost impossible, but he's got to try and get a hold on this. The players have so much power, especially the stars, that they're being able to dictate to other teams what they're going to do by doing exactly this, just coming out and saying, we're, we're not going to sign with you, so you better move us or you're getting nothing. The way that the NBA set up, I don't know how they changed that, but that's what they're doing, right? He, Am he, I wrong? He played his cards too early. Maybe not. No, he played his cards too early. He thought by the deadline that he would get moved to go play with LeBron. He, he did think that, for sure. So that's another... That's tampering. I mean, obviously, I, I people have LeBron. If 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 you guys don't know this, LeBron's best friend runs Clutch Sports. Yes, LeBron is supposed to be completely uh, unaffiliated with Clutch Sports. <laughs> yeah, right? and that's a laugh. It, it is. Yeah, it really joke. is. Fucking it, joke. He's sitting there at at uh, Zion's game the other night. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it's a recruiting tool. I mean, you have the best player in the world, the most popular basketball player in the world for the last 15 years your best friend is running an agency that you're represented by and you're recruiting like and you're and actively he, and, recruiting and in the zion case he's a kid and you got the biggest star in the nba like the guy he probably grew up idolizing showing up at your game but the like, thing is there, there's nothing to quote unquote convict him of doing oh no because he didn't talk to the kid but you don't you don't think zion's like yo you see lebron over there yeah and so, he's there with who yo, else was there dude, zion Ron, has like Ron, two, i think ronda was there zion has two million followers on instagram he's like becoming a star himself but dude don't you think he's like yeah 
me and Bron, boys. Right. I got Bron's number. People are coming out to see yeah. him specifically. Hell yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a factor that I, it's really tough to police. I mean, you can't do it. No, you can't. Well, he, we talk about this, and we've argued about this with Magic Johnson. It's sort of the same effect at the upper echelon level because, look, Ben Simmons reaches out, says he would like to be mentored by Magic because he's a big guy, big point guard. And now it's a controversy because he's also in a position in a front office with a team where he could potentially go. But it's just the fact that he's Magic. Like, these guys want to talk to Magic. Part of the reason LeBron went to the Lakers outside of him going to L.A. is because Magic's there, and he can get into business with Magic. Like, Magic is just in the clouds, right? He's a superstar above the game. and that's uh, what, I don't know about that. LeBron's bigger than Magic is now this, he at is. this point. Now yeah. he is, yeah. But, but he wants – he wants to run the path that Magic run because when you go through the run of guys that came out of the league, and you laid it out when we were arguing about it on Twitter, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, those guys may have been better players than Magic, but they're not bigger stars. No, I wouldn't necessarily say right, that at all. Right, like, like, well, Michael's the biggest star ever, but he's just a different guy. Like, he owns a team, he's quiet. Magic is a media guy. He's in front of the camera all the time. You know, he wants to sit here and talk to the camera. Like, that's who Magic has always been, showtime. Larry Bird's not like that, right? Like, Larry Bird's not that guy. Michael Jordan's not that guy. No, They're I not agree. those type of guys. I agree with you. And so the same thing to your point with LeBron. LeBron loves it. He loves the media. He loves the social media. He loves to be in front of it. I, I, don't, I don't think the Anthony Davis thing had anything to do with Magic Johnson. It didn't. I mean, what he did was try to play his cards, and he played them too early. He thought that the Pelicans were going to give in, and they were gonna they were gonna get this insane trade offer from the Lakers, which they got. And you know, I'm not a huge fan of that offer, by the way. I wouldn't have taken it. So, uh, I, you know, he thought that by demanding a trade, making sure everyone knew he was unhappy, the the team is tanking, the team's a mess. They trade Miritich. They they get they're getting rid of all kinds. Like it's it's a mess. They got rid of a lot of guys last year that went to other. They're just not the same team. No. So he he says, I'm gonna play my cards early. I'm gonna I'm gonna trade. I'm gonna get a trade to the Lakers. I'm gonna go play with LeBron. We're gonna make the playoffs, and we're gonna start this dynasty up the way it was supposed to start. And the Pelicans called his bluff. Oh, yeah, right. 100%. And now he's really upset. And by the way, now he's got a shoulder injury. Yeah. By which the is way, a mystery. By the way, I think, and Woj talked about this. I think that they trolled the Lakers by making them put all those offers out there, they were never going to take it. Good. They could have put up their entire roster minus LeBron. Good. Set they, that bar. And they wouldn't have taken it because now that entire team's pissed. And by the way, how, how would you feel, right, if I showed up for your softball team and I go home and I get Twitter that says, well, you know, uh, they offered Jack in a trade for Johnny Bag of Donuts, and then the trade doesn't go through, and I show up the next day and you, you're going to smack me on the ass and be like, oh yeah, hey, go ahead and try out the shortstop. Like, Fuck off, right? And that's what these young kids are now. Kuzma, Ball, who uh, oh, Ingram. They're like, dude, fuck you, Bron. Like, you guys tried to trade us for Anthony Davis, and it didn't happen. Now what, we're supposed to play the rest of the year with you? It's a disaster on both ends. Yeah, it's it really a total is. disaster. Now, here's the thing. I'm still not counting LeBron out of the playoffs. They're a, they're a mess, but I'm still not going to count him out of the He's playoffs. He's probably worth an eight seed in the West. I agree with you. He's probably worth an eight seed if he stays healthy. But... Uh, they're yeah, going to get yeah. boat raced by the Warriors if they get in I think, to the eight. I think they could sneak in, but will it matter? I don't think so. It, the whole thing's a mess, though. And, you know, let's talk about the package a little bit that was offered. You're talking about Ingram. What do you think of Brandon Ingram? So I was actually talking about this on Twitter as well. So I think Brandon Ingram has not evolved his game at all since he came out of Duke. 
And when they did, because remember, Brandon Ingram was selected second the Ben Simmons year. It yeah. was Ben one, Brandon two. And the whole thing about Brandon Ingram was he was supposed to be a more dynamic scorer than Ben, right? Uh, people were shooter. talking about him about number one. By the way, Ben averages more points a game than Brandon Ingram. Or actually, like, point three less. It's, but, like, Ben funny. is clearly a superior player. And Ingram has not worked on his body at all. He's just he's shooting like twenty eight percent from three, which is horrendous. Like he hasn't he has not grown his game to the NBA at all. The, he's the, the same player he was when he came out. Here's the thing that I think the Lakers are trying to sell about Brandon Ingram is that he will have games where he looks like Kevin Durant. Yeah, like he has games where he looks like a, a superstar. Yeah, because he's six ten with long arms, and when he's hitting his shot, he's unstoppable. Yeah, and, but he, and, he's not consistent enough. And at that's all. kind of the sales pitch. At least it would be for me, and I I'm agree. sure that that's what it is from the Lakers. Hundred percent. What do you think of Kyle Kuzma? He, dude, he's a great player. By the way, that's Dave Miller's boy. You know that? He's he's an asset. He's the best player in the offer because he's an aggressive player. Because he's a six nine slasher with ball handling skills, and he's aggressive at the rim, and he rebounds. Kuzma, Kuzma is the best player in the offer, and I still am not done with Ball. Ingram's the worst player of the offer, by the way. I might take Ball over. I'm not out. I might take Ingram over Ball. I'm not out on Lonzo yet. I think Lonzo, in the right situation, and he's going to develop a little bit better of a shot, I think, because he, he knows how to shoot. It's just weird, but he's such a big point guard with such great ball handling skills and court vision. I'm not done on Lonzo yet. So I'm still on Lonzo, but Kuzma is easily the best player in that offer because Kuzma is a perennial all-star in the making, like no doubt about it. I don't know about a perennial all-star, but I think he's got he's got the makings of a of a pretty good player, and you know uh, can be an all-star from time to time. I don't he think can't he's be he can't a be a superstar, but he's, he's a, not a superstar, but he's a perennial all-star. That's that's what I'll give you. I'll, I'll tell you, he's like a. I'm gonna give you a comparison. I, to me, he's going to be like a – keep going. I'll give you a good comparison for him. Well, who else was in the offer? Because there was more than it, that. It was Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, Rondo, and two first-round picks. Does Rondo have any value anymore? I mean, I know he, he's, still a good play, he's still a good player, and he's a leader. I think, I think the Pelicans are missing him more than anything. I don't know what the Pelicans are missing, dude. I really don't. I mean, they, they were really good last year on their run because Holiday was playing great and um, uh, AD was going off, but they were like a two-man show. I just don't think they have anything around them. No, they have, they have some good players. They, they, do have, they had Miritich. They've got Holiday. They've got Rand- – Randall's been, Randall's been pretty good. I mean, he, he's inconsistent. I get it. But, um, you know, I feel like they were – last year they were a good team. They were the four – with a four or five yeah, seed. They won a playoff series, right? Yeah. They made the second round. No, they the Blazers. Yeah. I think they swept the Blazers. They beat the snot out of the Blazers. But, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with that deal. And I'm actually glad that the Pelicans say, you know what? No, we're not trading you. We're not, I, we're not giving in. I agree. You know, if we're going to waste a season, let's waste a season. And so then he goes out the other night and scores three points, which, like, come on. That's man. the real problem that we're running into with him. He's not going to play. And and this is gonna be this is gonna be such a debacle now because it's gonna be, well, do they have to pay him? Is he not gonna play? Is he gonna say his shoulder hurts? I mean, like that this is gonna be a total disaster. And what do you think that does for the look of the player? Do you think that nothing. You don't nothing. think that, that deters no. anybody from picking him up? Would it deter you? Probably not. <laughs> it does nothing. But dude. you know, it I, does nothing. I just feel it like it sucks outwardly, and it's the problem with the NBA and how it's structured because 
we like they want fans to buy tickets every night, right, and watch the games. And if AD just goes, well, fuck it, I want out of here and not show up, then he can do it. But every thirty one other teams want him. It's just becoming too common. Yeah, yeah. That people are they're they're, they're taking too much power. Like, think of the guys that are upset right now. Think of the guys that are that are really disgruntled about their situations. Okay, you have Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Who's like um, half disgruntled? Who, who right? else? It's like weirdly disgruntled. Who else? Because there's more. Um, I'd have to look around the I league. I mean, Kawhi was last year. Kawhi was last year, and he's um, a free agent coming up here this year. Uh, just I you got to go around the league. Those five that I just named, those are the top. They're in the top, top, top five, ten, eight top players of the yeah. in the league. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so when guys start dictating where they want to go and what they want to do, I, it's just a bad look for the league. And the NBA is such a great. It's such. I love the NBA. I love watching the talent. The the athletes are unbelievable. Just it's just such a bad feel for the NBA that guys are now picking and choosing where they want to go. And I, you know, I hate to be this guy, but looking back twenty years, twenty five years ago, thirty years ago, would would guys do this would you know there's it seems like there's no competition there's no pride for your team here's, there's no fight for your team here's the it's thing. all individual here's the thing with what has happened in the nba back then guys didn't move around as much and i'm not talking about the stars uh, the thing is it wasn't just the stars with moving around it was the ancillary pieces because like the, the the lakers the celtics the pistons the bulls not only did the stars on those teams stay there, so did the like complementary pieces, right? Like those teams stayed together for three, four, five years. Right. That doesn't happen now. Now a guy has a good year on a team. Look at the Rockets. Trevor Ariza is going to get a big contract somewhere else. Like so, the ancillary pieces get big contracts from other teams, and so that is what doesn't hold star players. And you think about it like this. If we were closer to the Pelicans, we would say, why is Anthony Davis really unhappy? Well, obviously him and Drew Holiday are boys. So you have that. But then what pieces did he lose from last year that's pissing him off, right? I'm sure there's probably two or three guys that got moved elsewhere because the Pelicans didn't want to pay them more than other teams did. And now he's like, well, you're, you're taking away all my guys. You know, I mean, it's basketball, dude. Like, you got your guys. And AD's like, you're taking my guys. Like, I'm not staying here. That happens all the time, whereas in the 80s and 90s, those teams stayed together forever. Like, Mikhail, Parrish, Bird, those Piston bad boy teams, those Bulls teams. Horace Grant and Rodman, once he got to the Bulls, they stayed there for five, six, but seven you, years. You felt like there was a sense of pride to be there and to represent your team, and there were rivalries. There were guys that genuinely disliked each other. And I think that's one of the great things that Embiid has brought back here. I love it, dude. Is that He's amazing. There is now a rivalry. Number one, there's a rivalry with Boston, which always was. There was always a rivalry, but it's kind of rekindled, and it's stronger than it has been over the last 20 years. And there's also now a rivalry, which this is going to be interesting for All-Star Weekend. There's a rivalry, rivalry with Oklahoma City. Which is amazing. It's awesome. It's Just awesome. I'll tell you. And right. we have been on the, the crap end of the stick on that rivalry. Here, but it's, uh, a good, it's a good thing. Here's my only problem with that rivalry, dude. I love Ross. Like, he might be my, aside from Sixer players, he's like my favorite player in the league. Seriously. Like, I love Ross. I do. I, I love the way he plays. I love his passion. Is, is Paul George... Is Paul George close to the MVP? Yeah, yes. Paul George is unbelievable. Yes. So Paul George, I think, has replaced my love for Russ. You know I love Russ. I love Russ, dude. And Paul George is just playing out of his mind. He, I think over the last the last month or something, he's averaging like 30, 
two points, something like that. Dude, he's points. playing unreal. And Russ's better shot selection, lowered his usage rate, being smarter. He he's being a better teammate. He's being a better player. Paul George brought that. Paul George. And we didn't see that last year. And we were like, no. this is a disaster. Yeah. And now they actually look like a team. They look like a really good team. They have some they have some like glue guys that well, are really good. Aquaman's still there. Like they got players. Sh- Schroeder's really good. They player. got players, man. The Thunder are a threat. The Thunder are a threat. So let's talk about All-Star Weekend. By the way, I think it's unanimous. NBA All-Star Weekend is the best All-Star of, of all the major sports, right? Like, it is entertaining. It's fun to watch. If you're talking about, like, festivities Everything. and, like, the dunk contest. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, there's not the much that competes with that. Like, it's just the best. Yeah, I'd rather watch the dunk contest than, even like, the game. NFL guys playing dodgeball. Right, like, even the game itself is still better than, like, all the other I games. really enjoy the Major League Baseball All-Star you, game. I knew you were going to really say that. I really do enjoy it. I fucking knew you were I actually really enjoy the Major League All-Star game. I do have a I do have a revision that I'd like to make to the All Star game. Oh, tell me what the major the league baseball, baseball one. Yes. Okay, go ahead. All right, so I think that you know how you have the starters. Yeah. In the All Star game, they're like in. they're all the best players. Well, I think the starter, like the best player, should be at the end of the game because they're the ones that play when it matters. Exactly. So right. you end up getting like these guys that were forced to be on the all-star team on these crappy teams that are not really all-stars that are actually deciding the game. So I always wanted to put like the really good players. Well, the reason they put the reason they put the good players at the front is because they get their two at bats. Yeah. But you know what? Why not take out the the crappy players in the sixth? Well, there's a prestige for starting. I get it. Yeah. There's a prestige for starting. Well, let's make it closer since we're going to have openers in baseball. The game stinks. I disagree. It's all, it's a lot of talent there. All right. So you can't fake baseball, dude. You can't fake baseball like you can fake playing defense in the NBA All-Star. Well, yeah, but dude, who who doesn't love to see 160 to 155 in the NBA? Like the NBA All-Star game is fun to watch. It's not basketball truly, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, I know, but that's what I'm saying. And then in the fourth quarter, they start to care, and then they get after it. I mean, nothing, there's no other All-Star game that is as genuine as the Major League Baseball All-Star game. I'll give you that to the game. But the festivities in the weekend, NBA is amazing. Yeah, I'll give you the dunk contest. I'm interested to see uh, the Curry brothers do the three-point three point. contest. Dirk's going to do it. Maybe he can pull The celebrity out. game was on when I left. Yeah, celebrity games tonight. Quavo is going to so win MVP. I always love this every year. I like to look at the All-Star game MVP and look at the odds and see who I maybe want to take. So the guys I were looking at this year, so obviously I'm looking at Giannis because he's the type of player that would could drop 40 in an All-Star game, right? He's plus four hundred, so I'm gonna I'll put some checks on him. And Kemba Walker at plus seven hundred, I really like because it's it's in his home city, right, or his NBA city, and those guys tend to play well. And he's a guy who could go off here. Your boy PG at plus seven fifty, I really like. He's a guy who could go off in an All Star game. What are the odds on Joe? On Joel? Joel is right in front of PG at plus seven hundred. He will take this game seriously. He's going to take this game seriously for sure. I just, I'm leery about big men because even though JoJo's special. I'm going to give you my pick. And then, by the way, my last one, I'm Russ. Sorry. Russ is at plus 1,000. And, of course, Russ, I think, has won it twice. And Russ is so intense, and he gets so fired up that this is a game that he could easily win MVP on again. So who's your pick? All four of them are my bets. No, who's your my pick? My pick is Kemba Walker. Okay. A hometown pick. I yes. get it. Yes. Here's my pick. James Harden. Oh, God. Let me tell you why. Okay. James Harden is not one to be disrespected. He doesn't like to be disrespected. James Harden was taken like 
seventh or eighth overall. Yeah, he's plus nine hundred. Did you watch the draft? By yeah, way? yeah. So did I. He's plus nine hundred, by the way, James Harden. I don't so he's, care. He's got a lot of guys in front of him. I don't care. I don't care about that. I'm, I'm just giving the odds. James I'm Harden giving, giving people the odds. is not one to be disrespected. He's gonna take that. He's gonna take offense to getting picked that late. Okay, I can. I can. I, I, I'm with you. And so while while I'm watching, I'm sitting there. I'm like, is anybody gonna take? Do they know James Harden? Anybody want Harden? Like I know he's gonna take possessions See, away from a lot of guys. But a lot it. of guys, they don't want to. Nobody guys, wants to play an All Star game with James Harden. He's never gave him the ball off. I know, but nobody wants to give that much effort anyway. Harden at least wants to give the effort and put put the shots up. Yeah, but he doesn't want to give the ball. He's not gonna play the entire game. No. I mean, if you're looking at actually winning this game. I mean, he's pretty good pick, yeah. right? He's the MVP of the league. I mean, his odds are good. He's hey, going to win the if MVP. If you want to throw 25 or 50 on Harden at plus 900, it's a good bet. I just think he's going to be fired up about it. Philip chimes in again. Uh, dude, the pro, he says the Pro Bowl is the worst. The Pro Bowl, Absolutely. has they, they need to just get rid of it. Yeah. It, it is. I, I watched it this year. It was the worst. I watched like, I don't know, 10 minutes of it. It was the worst thing I've it's ever seen. It's a joke. Seen. They're doing like middle school field day it's games. It's so bad. Honestly, what I think they should do with the Pro Bowl, if I'm just being dead serious, is play flag football. Seriously, no, take no, take the helmets no, off. No, 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 play no, no, a seven that. on seven. No, who's watching that game now? That game is awful. Nobody watches it. It's awful. But nobody's gonna watch flag football either. It'd be funner if they do it on the beach, like they do with the old. Like my favorite part about watching the weekend is when they bring in like the older dudes and with the the new like the the current players, and they do like the flag football on the beach. So everybody's slower. It's funner. Everybody's kidding around, but it's still fun to watch. Who like that? That the, the you can't fake football. To your point about faking, it, you can't fake football. The Pro Bowl is so bad to watch; it's awful. I mean, I think we've all agreed with that for the last however many years. I mean, it's always been a joke. They got they got to do something though. They they really need to do something. They're not going to, but it is what it is. So I that's my pick. James Harden okay. is going to be really pissed. He's going to hit all the step back threes in this game. He's going to. He's he's unbelievable, he really is. He's still on his streak, uh, dude. Yeah, I mean, Listen, say what you will I, about no, no, the style. No. Of play. I'll never, dude. I'll never, I'll never take away from James Harden the fact that he is just such a great scorer. I mean, look, I, I've it's documented. We've talked about it for the last year and a half. How he, I think he travels every time he picks the ball to take that step back. But the fact is, he makes it every time he does it. And yeah, I know he goes through the lane and he gets fouled, but he gets fouled and he makes his free throws. And anybody that's averaging 35 points a game, like I don't think if you don't know NBA and scoring records, if you don't know how hard it is to average 35 a game, just look up the guys that have done it. It's outrageously hard. So I will never take away from him his scoring, but he is like the type of guy. I mean, look, the Rockets aren't exactly winning with him dropping 40 a night, right? Like he's... When you have a guy that dominates the ball that much, whose usage rate is so high, who doesn't score on – like none of his buckets are scored off of getting a pass from somebody. He just brings the ball up and goes. All unassisted. Yeah, they're all unassisted. It's never good for a team. But as as far as him being you know, a top three offensive player in the league, it's not a question. I mean, yeah, it's unbelievable to watch. He's so good. So – Outside of Harden, who would you take a long shot on for betting? Because I, I don't have the odds in front of me, but I remember looking at him. Who would you like for a long shot, like a big odds guy? I like Joel Embiid because I think he's going to take it seriously. Yeah. I think a lot of guys don't take it seriously. Joel will take it seriously. He's not that huge, though. 700. I'm not worried about that. I but mean, that's what are, those odds don't mean anything to me. Uh, it's for monies. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's finish up with baseball because, obviously, the city – has an interest in what's going on here. 
and I laid this out on Twitter, and I've gotten a ton of responses on this. Are, are Machado and Harper going to sign? Like, what, what's going on? They're playing games. I mean, they're playing games that, that baseball allows them to play. And they're, I mean, they're basically playing the media. They're playing the owners of the certain teams. They're, they're, how, many t- how many rumors have you heard in the last three I, weeks? I, I mean, I, a million. I put this out. I stopped. I stopped doing the Twitter rumor thing. I stopped retweeting. I stopped reading them because nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. Seriously. I, like literally nobody knows what they're talking every, about. Every day you're going to hear something leak. Yep. Every day you're going to hear a new, a new, uh, this player's meeting with so-and-so. And the reason that's getting out there is because they want it to get out there. They want to put the pressure on the teams that are really in contention. The teams that I really think are con- in contention for specifically Harper are the Phillies, yep. the Giants. I don't think the Padres are in contention. They're not. That's just the why, name that got why would, there. so and I have I have trouble believing that the Giants are in contention myself because if you're Bryce Harper, why would you go to the most difficult park to hit in when you're chasing statistics? You're you want to be that guy. You want to be the, like. Why would you put yourself in that position? I get it. San Francisco is kind of like not necessarily a destination city, but it's a nice place to play. I yeah. mean, it's a, it's a nice city. I've heard good things, but I just don't see him doing that other than to up the ante for the Phillies, to put the pressure on the Phillies, to put the pressure on maybe the Nationals, if the Nationals are still involved. So I don't know. I, I really think that that's the play here So from both agents. And what – I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant here. But <laughs> Major League Baseball allows this to happen because there's nothing in place to say, okay, you have to pick a team by this date. I mean, right. you, can go, you can go into next year and not pick a team. Right. Yes, you absolutely can. So, all right. Not to, to drag this out. Give me your picks. Where does Harper land? Where does Machado land? Harper's going to be in Philly. Machado's going to be in, I think, I don't know if LA is still in the running. Okay. Are they still in the running? I, I, I would really like to get both of them. I mean, I really would. <laughs> you can't, I really would. You can't have both. Harper's going to be in Philly. I, I almost guarantee it. All right. You think Bryce is coming to Philly. Where's Manny going? Man. It'll be really stupid for him, but he's meeting with the Padres for a second time. I think the Padres, they have a good farm system coming up. So if I don't know if he's looking that deep into it where he wants to compete, but I think in a couple of years, the Padres will be competing. These guys are both at an, uh, an age where they're, they're able to get this big contract. And that's been the difference between the contracts you've seen with Pujols and the contracts you've seen with Prince Fielder and Mark Teixeira, that's the difference is these guys were signing those contracts when they're like 32 years old. These guys are 25, 26 years old. That's why I would be more likely to extend that eight, 10 year deal. If I'm the Phillies, if I'm the Padres, uh, history's not in the, in the favor of these contracts, right? And Ma- major league baseball is at a point right now where they can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. These contracts have already been issued and there's precedence been set. And I really just feel like they're not going to select the team until <laughs> we get to this eight-year. That's, that's the thing. It's the longevity. So Julie chimes in. She said what you're saying. Bryce was, was commenting on Reese's Instagram. I think he followed. What you say? He followed, he followed Joel, Embiid, Joel Embiid, right? So you got all that going on. So uh, that's going to keep happening. I, I think here, here's my pick. I think Bryce Harper 
lands in Philly, and I think Machado goes to Chicago on the 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 south side and plays with the pale hosers, the White Sox. That's actually a good call. That's what I think. I think once a, he doesn't get his money, all his buddies are there. They set that up. Listen, they already offered him a contract. I know he didn't take it. He's going to go to to the play with the White Sox, and and Bryce is coming. That's that's a good move for him. The I really like. The, you talk about farm systems. The White Sox have, I think, the most promising one coming up, and they've added to it more recently. So, up oh, and, and before we wrap up, Dave That's Miller a good call. I'll change it. Dave Miller jumps on. Let, let's talk about LaSalle, our head coach of LaSalle College Baseball. Dave Miller here. So six and three, first win on the season. So was that a regular season game, Dave? You guys start already? We're in February. It has to be preseason, right, buddy? Let us know. But everybody, make sure that you check out M24 Gloves and support the LaSalle College baseball team. We may be setting up some From the Hill stuff down there this year. Also, congrats to my man Mike Baranak, who is uh, yes, head that's coach. right. He was named the head coach at Widener football. That's right. Mike so. B., another one of our buddies, named the head coach We've at Widener football We've got a lot of collegiate coach. head football. We do. Or a head, we uh, need some, we need some LaSalle gear, even though it, I went to Springfield Monaco High School and LaSalle College High School is right there, so – it pains me to rock Explorer gear, but obviously Dave's our boy, so I would rock it. And we need some Widener gear, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> we need them both. We need both the gear. Charleston Southern, nice win. Dave, was that nice. regular season? Is that regular season? Real game. Nice. There you go. Starting off 1-0. and We love to see it. Love it. So, Nikki, I, I'm, I was just struggling over what song to take us out to, and I don't know why this song popped in my head. But it did, so I'm just gonna I'm hopefully, just gonna fire it out. Hopefully, there. it's the song you were thinking of. It's definitely the song I was thinking of. Typically, we would play this a little bit earlier, but we're on a rush. I gotta get out of here. The baby's crying. I gotta go home. Nikki's baby's crying. He's gotta get out of here. As always, thanks everybody who jumped on to the live stream. If you don't already subscribe to us, please do. Find us on YouTube and the iTunes podcast application. Search from underscore the underscore hill. Follow us on social media. You're obviously friends with us on Facebook. Nick and I are both on Twitter. Also, we didn't mention, studio looks a little different now. Nick was making fun of me if you caught it when we first started. Streaming. Yeah, my gaming chair. I'm be streaming on Twitch now. Video games, which I know Ross, the swing boss, wants to talk about a lot. I'm sure we'll get into that. But you can follow me on Twitch at JRIP18. That'll be a new podcast <laughs> under the From the Hill umbrella. I will not be on that podcast. It will not be a podcast. Last game, I played, be, last game I played with Snake. It will not be a podcast, but it will be fun. That's it. Nikki's got to get back to Mickey. Thanks, everybody, for the prop. Swags. Oh,